0: Good morning and welcome to Monday in Manhattan. This is our weekly broadcast from city administration to keep you in the loop. You can find out more about local government at the city's website, cityofmhk.com.
1: Good morning, welcome to Mondays in Manhattan. I'm John Adams, senior planner with the city in the community development department. And I'm Jared Tremblay, I'm with the Flint Hills Metropolitan Planning Organization. And we're here today to talk about the bike and pedestrian systems plan, uh, which is well on its way to adoption. It was before the City Commission last Tuesday um, as a consent agenda item and was passed 5-0. Yeah? Yeah? So I guess
0: we'll just start about a little bit of history, how we got here. So if you want to explain a little bit about what brought this whole process on.
1: Sure. So. About two years ago or three, there was a CIP project to do a safe streets um, plan for the city or a safe streets policy for the city. And as we were gearing up to do that and work on an RFP to hire somebody, the um, uh, MPO, you approached us and said, hey, there is a planning grant available from KDOT KDOT. um, that could be used to develop a, a bigger plan. So we've hashed around or hashed out the ideas and threw them back and forth for a while. And finally decided, or we came up with the idea of doing a bike and pedestrian systems plan that had a component that also had covered safe streets things like, um, well, like for example, the what did I call it? The mobility manual. Mobility manual. Yes, yeah. it had best practices for designing streets safely for all modes of transportation.
0: Yeah. And how much was that grant for through KDOT, do you remember?
1: About $140,000. $140, so right. we were able to turn our part of the CIP amount into the grant match on that. So instead of the 75000 we were able to use just 40000 to do the, right. the grant match on and, the project.
0: And with that money, we were able to go out and hire the preeminent bike pad planners in the country in Alta Planning and Design. Uh, we worked with planners out of Minneapolis, and mm-hmm. I think we have a really great plan.
1: Yeah, definitely so. We put together a steering committee um, made up of different interests in the community, uh, including the police, developers, um, transit, no, transit was not involved, Mm -mm. Um, but bike bike advocates, people that are doing development, and then also our public works director. And uh, they put together, basically, we worked with them to put together the goals for this plan. Um, And there were three pretty simple goals, uh, really, that I could very briefly touch on. That one was equity and connectivity, so build an equitable and comprehensive network for walking and biking. Two is safety and comfort, make walking and biking safe, safe, comfortable, and dignified. And then support and momentum was the third one, build capacity, support, and momentum for walking and biking mm-hmm. in the community.
0: I, th- I think it's also important to note that there's been a lot of good things going on in Manhattan the last mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an older bike master plan that's about 20 years old now, but mm-hmm. uh, it hasn't been followed too much. And despite that, things have been happening. And so this is really to build on all that momentum and to really push things forward uh, at even a higher rate.
1: We had a good reminder reminder um, at BPAC, which is the Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee, mm-hmm. on Friday's meeting. Uh, longtime member, uh, Dave Colburn, um, spoke up um, talking about how there is momentum and energy now, whereas before there never used to be. Yeah, That like when Rob Ott came to the city, um, he said, well, we should do some bike and ped sort of stuff and found out that there was a plan that had been done but not acted on for a long time. The difference between then and now is that we are acting on it now. It is an active part of discussions as the city is doing planning for transportation. In a way, I think it never was before. That's my impression at
0: least. I would agree.
2: Can you talk to us a little bit conceptually about how having a plan for bike and ped is, is good for a community or can affect a community in a positive way? What does this mean for Manhattan that, mm-hmm. that a plan exists for this?
0: Well, I could speak to that for, I'll start. Sure. Please feel yeah, free please. To, to fill in, John. But having <clears throat> a plan really is just that. It sets forth what is a best practice, where we should go, what opportunities exist. And that's something you need because opportunities come up all the time, whether they be on transit or parks and recreation. You know, people have ideas, but it's good to have a systematic plan that says these are our, ident- are our identified needs and we're going to tick those off one by one by one. And why is Bikeped good for Manhattan and good for communities? Is that part of the question as well? for a multitude of reasons, um, obviously people want to live in a place that is, fun, has outdoor opportunities. This plan is really focused, um, it's split into two parts. There's a recreation side, which we're working with parks and recreation on, and that's you know building trails, finishing the the linear loop, things of that nature. But it also focuses highly on uh, on on-street facilities. And so really building a safe and um, well, really a safe, protected, connected network down in the core, and then extending out from there. And the idea is that not everyone wants to drive around in a vehicle. I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of college students, a lot of other people, myself. I know John included that live in an area, chose to live in an area where we didn't have to drive a vehicle to do most of our, most of the tasks in our life. Um, it's just a great way to live. You're healthy. You get exercise in without even trying. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just a whole multitude of reasons why it's a great thing, and we're not, you know. It's important to note that the plan really builds on opportunity. It sets forth ideas and corridors of what should or could happen, and then it breaks them up into different priorities of, you know, do them now. This is low hanging fruit. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm jumping ahead here, but these, these are low hanging fruit. Do them now, or do them if certain criteria are met, or do them when. And the do them when are really interesting projects. They tend to be big projects. Difficult projects, maybe expensive projects, and what right. you're really looking for are opportunities, maybe with a utility project or a large road project that is going through by itself, and then from there you add in the bike ped element, and you're able to do two things at once. And so that's really what this plan does. Um, we have we have a case that we have several of those do wins that we think could really be great. Mm-hmm. North Manhattan Avenue is getting a great signal project here in the next year or two. Um, and there's opportunities to do things there as well. So.
1: And the great thing about the North Manhattan Avenue project is that um, like Points Avenue, North Manhattan Avenue is essentially one of the spines. It's the north-south spine of a system and Points Avenue we're envisioning as being the east-west spine. Um, and so they are critical projects to the success, I think, ultimately of having a, a bikeable facility or a system within the city in the core. Um, essentially, because the core is really the place that's most difficult to get infrastructure in, because we're constrained by the fact that the right of way rights of way already exist. We have a built environment. We have people that have vested interests, and they have investment in um, their buildings, their houses, their their businesses. That makes it difficult sometimes to to go in and say we might have to lose some parking to put a bike lane in. Um, because we're trying to accommodate this mode, never a popular suggestion to
0: yeah. come up. At the same time, the core is where there's the greatest opportunity and the greatest need, need and ease to yes. bike around. Mm-hmm. It should be noted that the whole plan does not focus solely on the core. It, talk, uh, it yes. talks about the whole community in general, and we hear a, quite often about you know con- a connection east west across and How do I get from K State or you mm-hmm. know downtown to West Loop or further further west than that? And currently there's not a great connection. I live off of Anderson Avenue. I, I ride on the sidewalk to Dillon's and Westloop pretty much every day. Um, it's not great, but what this plan has done is it's identified those potential key corridors, Anderson, Claflin, Kimball, and provide provided ideas on, on what can be done to really connect the city across the ways as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, going back then to... The momentum, I guess, um, on this plan was one thing that, like I said, it's part of the discussion now, and Public Works um, has kind of pushed that more. Um, it's dedicated funding every year for sidewalk mm-hmm. gaps to fill those in. It was doubled from 50000 to 100000 just a few years ago and is being maintained at that level. That may sometimes sound like a lot, but you'd be surprised how far that does not go when you're doing sidewalk fill-in, infill. Um, but every little piece, we're building a, a more complete uh, interconnected network. And I think it's the gaps that are the important thing to tackle now and tend to get those things done.
0: And, and to build on that, Public Works also, along with community development and others, there is a Safe Routes to School report that was done in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city's been pretty effective at getting grants for those i've received two hopefully a third one will be coming here and so there's a whole list of items in that plan as well and this plan doesn't replace that it works with it and builds on that and finds gaps where that report mm-hmm. did not uh, did not cover and so it's a it's kind of a joining of multiple different uh, topics and plans into an entire bike and pedestrian uh, document
1: yeah yeah definitely so um the uh... I forgot what I was going to say. Now, um, <laughs> the
2: uh, when you the, oh, the change in environment or the change in attitude, where do you think that comes from? Why why is the conversation easier to have now?
1: Oh, well, I think I think culturally we're seeing a change, and I think people are demanding more and more that they have a place that's uh, bikeable and walkable. People are deliberately looking for places that. Um, have that component, that livability component worked in there. Um, my understanding is, is that there were a lot of people from the Department of Ag, of Ag that were very unhappy about the prospect of moving to Kansas City because they were giving up a very walkable, bikeable place, D.C., for a place that I apparently is not um, good enough for their tastes. Um, hit or, or Hit or miss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. It's not... It's, it's pretty car-heavy um, still, yes, and is. we're car-heavy here in some places. We have pockets where it's, it's easy to do, to c- conduct your life without a bike, or without a car, I mean. Um, and some people just don't have that choice whatsoever. That's another aspect about this, too, is that some people choose to walk and bike, but as we can see, there's a lot of people that have desire pathways worn into the sides of the roadways. People... Have to walk or bike because they don't have the automobile alternative. Yeah,
0: I mean, we, one of the things we do at the NPO is we look at transportation as a whole, and uh, there's a lot of statistics out there. AAA, the automotive, you know, group has a lot of information on this. In the United States, the average price or cost to own one vehicle per year is over eight thousand dollars. More close to home in Manhattan mm-hmm. specifically, the, the the cost of transportation of owning a vehicle with travel is over ten thousand dollars so that is out of reach of a lot of people Mm -hmm. um whereas i bike to work every day of the year or walk i spent under 150 dollars on transportation to and from work this year (laughs) so i mean that's a substantial difference in the amount of money that someone could spend if, if they don't have the funds to to own and maintain a vehicle
1: yes definitely um the other thing too um about what's the change in the culture um aarp is very active um um promoting uh, bikeable and walkable, especially walkable communities, more accessible ones, because they are saying more and more that their constituents, the people that um, are members of their organization, are wanting to have those sort of um, lifestyles and as they get older.
0: A lot of people want to age in place, mm-hmm. but where they maybe bought a home or where they live is outside of you know a walkable area for them where there is a road that's disconnecting them, cutting them off, and they can no longer drive. So what are their options? You know, a lot of people are experiencing a lot of, a lot of senior loneliness and people mm-hmm. that are just cut off from their, their social life that they used to have because they can no longer drive. And places and plans like this allow them to get some of that back to enable them to, to live the life that they've always lived and want to live.
1: Yeah, I'm just waiting for the day that my mom... I mean, she's we grew up in the countryside. She's yeah. still living in the house yeah. um, and she's still driving, amazingly. But that could go <laughs> uh, very quickly, and then what choice does she have? It's, it's not really a place she's not set up yeah. uh, to be. She doesn't get transit there, yeah. so even more cut off and lonely.
0: And seniors make up a large portion of pedestrian um, deaths. You know They're maybe not crossing as quickly, or they have to take risks that other people wouldn't. Right. Um, you know People will walk or bike if they don't have another option. Mm-hmm. It's not as if they're just going to stay home. They're going to do whatever they need to do. And so mm. to make it safer for, you know, children as well as seniors is important to do. Um, yeah. 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 yeah and a- to, to John's point about AARP, uh, they are really pushing walking and biking extremely heavily. They have yes. funding available. It is a large push, a goal of theirs nationally. They have their own materials that they've come out with best practices and how to do things like this. Um, so it is a major push of theirs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Can you talk to me about some of those projects that you've identified as the low-hanging fruits? What are some of the first things that you're hoping to address?
0: Sure. So there are several things, quite honestly. Um, A few in particular, I I think a lot of people listening or watching are familiar with bike boulevards in Manhattan. They've probably seen maybe some wayfinding signage, and they've probably seen the bikes with the double arrow or the double chevron um, on the street. And those are our bike boulevards right now. And so in some locations, we're, in the short term, we're definitely going to keep those bike boulevards. They're relatively inexpensive to do. That's why they're kind of a do now. They're a simple mm-hmm. way to do them. But what, what, some of the things that the plan calls for is to enhance them. We know a lot of people that don't feel comfortable on bike boulevards. I have a nine-year-old daughter and she'll ride them with us in the summer. And in a large group, she likes to ride on them, but it's not something that she feels comfortable going out on her own and riding on. There's just a lot of car traffic. And so what it really calls for on the bike boulevards is regular traffic calming. You know, maintain access for vehicles you can get from A to B, no problem, but really put in, you know, whether it be um, you know, a temporary traffic circle or a chicane or something of that nature to really say, hey, you can get to where you need to go if you're in a vehicle, but this is not a, th- this is not a bypass or a through, through route, so you can miss the, the traffic lights one block away. Mm-hmm. And so things like that on bike boulevards in the core There's also a few long-term projects that have been talked about for a long time, such as out at Seth Child, kind of connecting the linear trail past in between Home Depot there, and then across Seth Child Road over to uh, Seth Child Commons. A lot of people cross, not a lot, but there are people that cross there regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of an easy one. Um, And then we're talking about Points Avenue. That may be a little further off, but. There's Mm -hmm. been ideas there for a long time, there's been talk of of what could be done there. But, um, and then also Sunset Avenue, there's been talk for a long time of putting in a bike lane, particularly going uphill. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's not a wide road, it's only a two lane road, but the lanes are fairly wide, they're about 20 foot wide. So there's plenty of room there to put in uh, a bike lane in the short term. It would be similar to 11th Street Mm -hmm. uh, near City Park. Um, And we may not get them in both directions, that's really dependent on engineering, but Kind of like on Points or Westwood where you have them going uphill uh, and then downhill, you can go faster on your bike and you can merge with traffic right. more easily. For
1: example, as you approach Claflin Road, if we have a bike lane going on the uphill direction mm-hmm. toward Claflin, that'd be great to have one over there. And then Shero, sharing the lane on the downhill side where yep. you can match the speeds. For ex- Just to give another example of that. Yeah. Um, and then there are other like uh, those synergistic opportunities, we're doing a project, let's fold this in. We're talking, we talked a a little bit about the, uh, we're doing traffic signals on Manhattan Avenue. And I started talking about that being a spine, but never really developed fully what the idea is. And that is essentially to have a cycle track, a protected bike lane that is two way, that is entirely on the west side of the street, which is the um, area of the most desire. As people are going north and south, they wanna get to the university campus. If you have it fully on the west side of the street, that uh, diminishes the number of left-hand turns in the uh, direction of opposing traffic that they need to make in order to reach it. You can get on and off of the facility with relative ease, and then when you get down to Aggieville, um, ideally this should continue through. We would eliminate the uh, counter Contraflow Lane in Aggieville there. Everyone's favorite. Yes, (laughs) Yes, which I adore, and (laughs) I will miss it when it's gone know uh, and then taking that all the way down to City Park
0: okay and what that effectively does is that two-way bike lane would would connect to the K-State perimeter perimeter loop mm-hmm. north of Claflin where North Manhattan Avenue is being reconstructed currently um, so you've got that trail and then it would take you all the way through Aggieville, as John said, and connect you with City Park and the trail there. Mm-hmm. And then there is a plan to continue down South Manhattan Avenue. So you would effectively have this north-south access that would connect right. Linear, City Park, Aggieville, K-State, and all the trails all the way through. It would be, it would be really amazing.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can get to that facility relatively easily, then you've got north-south open up to you.
0: And there are examples out there of other places that have done Mm-hmm. Exactly this, and a very similar setup with the university yes. on one side and yep. a three lane road. And really, what we're talking about is just reorganizing the street, mm-hmm. because currently you have three lanes of traffic and then bike standard bike lanes on either side. And what you're doing is just kind of wiping the slate clean, and mm-hmm. joining those bike lanes and then putting in a hard barrier. It would mm-hmm. be like a curb, mm-hmm. uh, and then cars would have the car space, bike would have a small bike space, and then obviously pedestrians would have their space on the sidewalk. Yeah. So it just improves efficiency and safety and just makes it a better place for everyone.
2: Mm-hmm. When we think about funding for these types of projects, what are some options?
1: Um, in large part, the the big ticket items are going to be coming from grant funding. There's a program through KDOT called Transportation Alternatives, which is TA grant, um, and that's an annual program. Um, this, the fund is not flush with cash and has not been for the past couple of years. It used to be much more well-funded program and it is a fifth of what it was just before something in that neighborhood. But for the entire state, they only had $7 million. And, um, um, so the city's requests in the past have been, well, this, this time around were, um, just shy of a million dollars, but that's kind of a large request to be made. Out of a pot of money that's supposed to go a lot further, um, whereas before you know is $40 dollars $40 for the whole state, and so uh, so that sounds really dire. But in any case, <laughs> in any case, uh, we usually tend to put together fairly successful projects. We currently our current one now is to put in a multi-use pathway along Casement Road, um, and that goes from
0: goes so from Allen up to North. Northview Road. Right. So it continue. Yes. It would continue mm-hmm. where the the bridge and the road widening stopped. It would continue yes. all the way down to to Allen Road mm-hmm. or Knox Lane.
2: And would this relieve some of the pressure people feel to walk along um, creek Boulevard? This would be an alternate. Or
0: in, in the short term, that would not. Mm-hmm. Um, that we've had a lot of discussions right. about that. And so uh, I know <clears throat> the city is working with Bike Walk MHK as well as I think uh, Northview North, Rising. Northview Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little further north, the project John was talking about. Yeah. Uh we ideally people would start using the old Blue River Trail to use instead of Tuttle Creek Boulevard. However, if someone is coming from further north than Casement Road, then the shortest, most direct way is still Tuttle Creek Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And the plan, the bike pad systems plan does address Tuttle Creek Boulevard. That is a state facility. It's a long distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a major pro- pro- uh, project. There's grading and infill that would need to be done. Yeah. It That's a long-term project. It's mm-hmm. a high-need project. It's just very difficult to implement. Right. Um, so we, we, we have an idea of what we'd like to see, but that is not a short-term project. Going back to funding, though, mm-hmm. and grants, TA is, is the huge one, but there's other opportunities. A good example of that is... Um, Ongoing currently at Kimball and Tuttle Creek Boulevard, Public Works uh, went after and was awarded a grant from KDOT known as a GI or Geometric Improvement. Mm -hmm. And so that's putting in those double right turn lanes uh, from Kimball onto southbound Tuttle Creek Boulevard. But they did a great job, and I'm really excited for this because what they did is they took that grant and they added in a small piece that is hugely important for people in Northview, and that is putting a crossing Across Tuttle Creek Boulevard on the north side, right. and so that's the types of things we're talking about, where you mm-hmm. have this larger, trans, you know, vehicular project, and then you add in a smaller piece, a highly needed piece that mm-hmm. is bike ped. And so, for everybody out there, pretty soon in the next few months, I know they're working on it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, if you were on the Northview side, you would come up to Tuttle Creek Boulevard there uh, at Kimball and you will have a signalized crossing over to the Blue Hill Shopping Center, and then it'll continue across there and start up the hill and connect with the existing sidewalk there. So right. that'll be a, a big project. Mm-hmm. And the, there's other grant opportunities that, that you can do that, and that's really what this plan looks to do, is, is to heighten those. It would be fantastic to have a, a dedicated funding source for this plan, um, right. but that's not the case right now, so it's gonna have to be kind of advantageous, right. opportunistic yeah. Uh, yeah. implementation. Exactly.
1: Oh, and then we already have um, from the general fund a hundred thousand committed mm-hmm. every year for sidewalk. And then the city the city also gets an SDP allocation, Surface Transportation Program, um, every year. Um, can't remember the full amount, but sixty thousand is allocated out of and, about four hundred thousand. Yeah, that's right, four hundred thousand. Um, so, and those and those to be clear, that that
0: money. Is generally taken and then leveraged for grant opportunities so the Mm -hmm. idea is turn your hundred thousand into four or five hundred thousand dollars yes and so that's really what the city's been been good at doing is taking Mm -hmm. that money and getting a match most of the grants are 80 20 split so you Mm -hmm. put 20 percent in and you get 80 percent another 80 percent back and so um, it's been manhattan's been very successful with that it's been a big deal
1: and then in low and moderate income areas also, we have the opportunity to use um, community development block grant money. Um, and we have a project we're hoping to do um, in the next year um, at 5th and Leavenworth, and that's to put in some bulb outs at the intersection there. Because uh, you have kind of a sketchy crosswalk situation um, at that intersection. It's right by the post office and also the residence tower right there. Yeah. Um, and Leavenworth is it being a, a collector. It's a collector. Or, yeah, it's a collector. Um, and it's the speeds are pretty good, and uh, the sight distances are not great. The bulb out gets you into a position where you have better sight distance as a pedestrian up and down the streets, and then you're also more visible to people that are on the street um, in cars. And they're more likely then to stop for you if they see you there um, trying to make the crossing.
0: It would be similar to what's in Aggieville with the curb extensions or bulb outs that are also downtown where it just sticks you out exactly. the street there. Yeah. Yeah. And a project people may be familiar with that was CDBG from several years ago would be 17th and Yuma. I don't, some people may remember the, the old traffic signals that were there. Uh, that got oh. redone and the rapid flashing beacons were installed on 17th um, and the sidewalk was installed. That, that was a project and so mm-hmm. this would be similar.
1: Right. Um, and then sometimes you get um, grants that happen to work out like at uh, Fremont uh, well along uh, Fremont Avenue uh, and I can't remember what was the grant program for that
0: that's KDOT that's that's transit funding transit funding so yes, yes for, mm-hmm. so that's uh, it's 5307 funding but that's right the idea being that uh, public transit has another stream of funding specific for them however a lot of times you know every person that rides a bus walks or bikes to the bus and so you need to make it so that people can get there if Mm -hmm. there's missing a sidewalk or if they're non-ADA compliant ramps whatever it may be so uh, on Fremont Street John was speaking about they're able to leverage the the ATA the transit funding and do a pedestrian project as well and that'll be putting in curb extensions at three Mm -hmm. locations on the south side on the park side so that'll Mm -hmm. be at 12th Street uh, North Manhattan Avenue and 14th Street Two years ago, Public Works switched the parking from the north side of Fremont to the south side. Uh, it improved a lot. Site distances got a lot better. It actually increased the number of parking stalls that were available. Mm-hmm. So that was a big safety uh, improvement. And this, this project here will also, again, stick people further out. And that's something we should maybe talk about as well. We did a
1: demonstration project. I was going to say, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe nearly a year ago, it was last April, yeah. you would have seen a uh, um a demo project we were out there for two days april it's later april and we put up uh, uh those candlestick barriers vertical uh, delineators vertical delineators <laughs> right um and we painted the uh we painted in some bulb outs and striped it and then uh, redid the piano keys in fact put in piano keys where they don't exist now um and uh increase those sight distances for people yeah um really worked out well and we got it, we got a lot of interaction with folks out there
0: and that was really the point of those demo projects yes. was to to get out instead of hosting a meeting in the evening on a Tuesday or whatever where people have difficulty coming to to go out to where people already are and so as they're crossing mm-hmm. the street to go to school or to go eat in Aggieville, we have a chance to talk with them and they get to experience um, experience what that improvement is like mm-hmm. and so the the project we were talking about a few minutes ago with the ATA funding will build in concrete what we tested through the demo project last year, right, and so that's a that's that's something that KDOT's liking to see. You know, you can test these projects mm-hmm. in the short term. You you take two hours, you set it up, and you see what impact it has. If it's terrible, it goes away in an hour. If yes. it's great, you can say, okay, maybe this is something we should do in the future. In concrete, yeah. concrete being extremely expensive, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the idea behind it. Just get to test ideas quickly.
1: Yeah, I think KDOT was pretty uh, impressed with that. They they were.
0: They yeah. They really liked it. There's other communities that are looking to do it based on what the city of Manhattan did. Mm-hmm. Topeka being one of them is, is actually starting to go after that. Yeah. So yeah.
2: So as we think about wrapping up, if people want to find out more about this project or even want to learn how they can start riding a bike to work or school or well, where would they go for more the, information?
0: Well why don't you talk about where they can go for this first and I'll, okay. you know, I'll, All I'll right. get the follow-up.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you're much more involved with that um, sort of information piece, but uh, we have it on the city's website. It's pr- it's going to still say draft um, on it because officially it's not adopted. There's a second reading that happens next Tuesday night at the city commission. Um, and so uh, if you go to the city's website, go to community development, you'll see that there's a link via uh, bike and pedestrian, and then you can see the project there, bike and pedestrian systems plan. Project, and um, you'll find it there and you also find a copy of the mobility manual that we were speaking about earlier that has all of the best practices for doing infill uh, for uh, getting facilities in place.
0: And if someone is interested if you're out there and you're thinking oh it's about to be spring I'd like to maybe try riding my bike uh, to work uh, there's a lot of opportunity out there. BikeWalkMHK has a new program where if you're interested in doing something like that you can send them an email. And they will actually go out and uh, ride with you, uh, make you feel comfortable, show you the route that they would like uh, you to use. You know, it's the safest one, it's the shortest one, mm-hmm. the least uphill one, which is a, <laughs> yes, yeah. which is a bit depending on where you live. It can be difficult. I have to mm-hmm. ride up a hill every day. Um, so yeah, Bike Walk HK has that. In addition, the city of Manhattan with Bike Walk HK is offering uh, yes. an adult education class uh, for cycling this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 10 or $15 to sign up and it's four or six weeks in the evening. And basically it's just to teach people um, some basic mechanics, you know, how to fix your flat tire, do some quick, simple things, but really it's about making them comfortable for situations like that. You know, where can wh- where do I live? It'll be very personalized. Where do I live and how can I get around Manhattan on my bike or walking? Mm-hmm. So those are
1: two options. Yeah.
2: Any final thoughts?
1: Just that, um, you know, as I guess being the stewards of this plan, we're really hoping to uh, make sure that it gets implemented and keep on top of it and keep, it th- keep the discussion going and make sure it doesn't die off.
2: One thing I thought was very encouraging at the first reading, um, you encouraged people to show up in their bike helmets to show support. Would you like that to happen again? <laughs>
1: Uh, not necessarily for a second reading. Um, it was for the first reading. It was great, and it was impressive. I think to, for the city commission to see yeah. people from all walks of life, um, at different ages, different abilities, coming in and showing their support for um, a better plan for biking and walking in the community. Uh, but I mean, but I also don't want to discourage people. Um, there was an opportunity at the first reading for them to have a comment. I don't know if there necessarily will be, but I think what's what had been said, what needed to be said was said, and said very well at that first one. By the
0: And I just wanted to add, if, if, if you're interested in biking, kind of building on what I said before, and you don't want to do it to get to work, maybe you just want to, you have a road bike and you're new to town or, or whatever it may be, bike MHK um, has group rides regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really pick up in the spring. There's different rides for different levels. And this plan does focus on recreation as well, trails and things, and so they're a great group to get out mm-hmm. there um, and get to know people and start biking as well. So that's Bike MHK mm-hmm. or bike Walk MHK as well. So there's, yep. there's two great groups
1: out there. And then there'll be some activities in May, because that's yes. bike month, and uh, the city helps coordinate putting together the calendar and making sure that everyone's gets on the calendar in the right spot. So we'll be hosting that on the city's website also.
0: There, this is gonna be the best bike month. Manhattan <laughs> has ever had, I can guarantee it. All right. All right. Take Thank care. you. Goodbye.